Hello and welcome back, my lovely listeners. I am thrilled to bring you a fascinating conversation today. Meet Andrew Hartman, the first person I've ever met who lost his sense of smell and taste due to stress. The unique ways that stress shows up for each of us never ceases to amaze me. Anyway, after his wake-up call, Andrew found ways to revolutionize his relationship with time, allowing him to create more impact while experiencing peace. And get this, all while still being a project manager. Now, to me, that is impressive. Let's dive in. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Hey there. Welcome to the Burnout Isn't Necessary podcast, where we delve into the world of stress, burnout, and the science behind it all. Over a decade ago, I faced burnout as a management consultant, experiencing an emptiness that I wouldn't wish on anyone. But here's the truth. My burnout wasn't necessary, and it's not necessary for you either. I'm Hannah Holden, and together with my amazing guests, we share our real-life experiences with stress and burnout. We explore the science behind stress, offering practical tips to help you navigate those challenging moments in life. Our goal? To empower you to prevent burnout from taking over your life. I am passionate about stress mastery and preventing burnout, and I am here to guide you to a more balanced, fulfilling life. So let's go. Burnout isn't necessary, and I'm here to show you why. Hello, I would like to give a very warm welcome to Andrew Hartman. Welcome to the Burnout Isn't Necessary podcast. Awesome. Hi, Hannah. Hey. Um, So for those of you who don't know, Andrew is the founder of Time Boss and coaches leaders on how to become more productive, but at the same time, find more peace. Hmm. So yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, I've done a little bit of research into your journey, and I know you weren't always a time boss. So I think let's start with your early career experiences um, and your relationship with time uh, as as your original version of you. (laughs) Okay, awesome. Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, when I began, um, you know, I had an early career. I was in education, not a lot of stress on my time. I could get everything done that I had on my list. And in my mid-20s, I switched careers to work at an interactive marketing agency. We were doing lots of technology products, uh, projects, I should say. And I was a project manager, very quickly had 12 different clients that were demanding my time. And as uh, you probably know from some of your consulting, uh, your clients don't always care about each other and they just want their thing done. And I was almost instantly overwhelmed, did not have a system to manage all the details, um, was incredibly stressed. And this led to all kinds of wacky symptoms, waking up in cold sweats, uh, just this kind of feeling of like hot, like almost like heat flashes, wake up in the middle of the night and start writing on post-it notes just to get things out of my head because I just couldn't sleep. Mm -hmm. And all of this ultimately culminated, it was probably after a year or so, it ultimately culminated me losing my sense of smell from stress for six months and losing your sense of smell, as you probably know, means that you don't taste food any longer. And it was, it was terrible. I mean, it just was the ultimate wake up sign of, or wake up call of something must be different. I must figure out a way to manage this differently. I cannot keep operating with this, this amount of stress. And ultimately it truly was a, an early burnout for me, sadly, one of many, but I can certainly share more about that. Mm-hmm. I, I know one other person who experienced a lot of smell and taste. And I know that for him, it then felt like he'd lost life, some of life's pleasures, but it wasn't to do with stress. Yeah. Did you know at the time that it was connected to stress? Did you understand that connection? I was 
I was pretty certain that it was, I knew that I wasn't in a good place. I mean, had you told, had you asked me, you know, in my heart of hearts, I knew that I was not in a good place and I could just feel odd symptoms in my body. I mean, stress really does wacky things to you. I know you have a, a great resource on the signs of stress and it's, it's real. Like I just had all these wacky symptoms where I, I couldn't have exactly told you it was because of my job, but I knew that something was not right with me. And when the smell went away, there was a real sense of, okay, something's got to change. This is not a good situation. Yeah. 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 You're right. Um, stress shows up in strange ways. And so weird. Uh, it's, it's interesting that you had a sense of the root cause of the problem. Because for me, when I was experiencing chronic stress, I had a you know, such an array of different symptoms, but 99% of them, I had no idea they were connected. I, mm. I just thought that the occasional headache, muscle tension, those were connected with stress. I didn't realize everything else. So it's interesting that you, you know, in your heart of hearts, you knew what was going on for you. And so now you're, you talk about time management, you've got this program called Time Boss. How did you go from where you were, where you had all these physical symptoms of stress? Um, what, what did you do? Well, what were your first steps towards becoming better yeah. at time management? How did you realize that time management was part of the solution for you? Yeah, that's such a great question. I appreciate it. Well, it was really interesting. You know, as a project manager, I was constantly working to support people on my team. So my whole job was to set up other people to be successful. So I was really thoughtful about their capacity and I was really thoughtful about giving them clarity on what they needed to be done. And I wanted to make sure their time was protected, that people weren't crashing in to steal their time. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that all my team members and my employees loved working for me. And I thought to myself, like, why, why am I stressed out of my mind? And everyone on my team is just crushing work and is experiencing this sense of like focus, focus and peace and connectedness. And I'm like, there's something totally out of whack here. And so my first move, it was interesting. My first move was to get really good at like just packaging the work for myself. So I just, instead of just letting these large kind of amorphous projects end up on my list or in my journal or my project management tools, I was really thoughtful about breaking them down into their component parts and really considering, okay, how am I actually going to get that work done? And when am I actually going to get that work done? How do I get that from, you know, this big idea, let's launch a website or whatever the project was to the component parts. This is how they cascade across my schedule. This is when I'm going to do the work. And so I got really, really, really good about, uh, I call it the definition of done, just defining done and then executing that really rapidly. Now, what was, what was funny in that for me, Hannah, is I got really good at going really fast. And so I realized like, oh my gosh, this is like a superpower. We can get so much done when we have clarity of how we're going to get the work done and when we define done really clearly. But what I didn't have was a governor on myself for what is my actual capacity and what is my actual sustainable pace. So I got really good at defining the work, but I actually kept burning out. I kept experiencing, I'd get to the point where I just had too much on my plate, so much stress, so much anxiety where that was the fuel. I was just trying to go faster and go faster and go faster to, um, to get away from that anxiety. And the reality was I was just becoming addicted to an anxiety. Anxiety was this fire that every time I put out, I got a little piece, a little bit of dopamine from that experience. But when you become addicted to that, you, you, your tolerance increases and increases and increases where your world is just overrun by all the things that you're trying to get done. 
And so I had one last just ridiculous burnout in 2016, crazy project um, with the, with a great team I was on, great people around me. I just it was a self-inflicted wound of so much stress. And at that, that's the point where I added the governor of, okay, I have got to find my highest sustainable pace where fear or stress or anger or anxiety are not the fuel that are going to drive me, but a mm -hmm. sense of peace and belief and connectedness to the work. And really that's when that idea of like, okay, what is my highest sustainable pace? What is the pace that I can run at forever to continue to contribute to the things that I really care about? And that's when, that's when everything turned for me. I started flying on projects. I mean, we just made such significant things happen and I was doing it with a sense of peace and connectedness to the work that was not stress, fear, anxiety, certainly like less as a quantity was getting done, but the quality of work and the focus of the work and the leverage of the things that actually made it to my schedule went through the roof. And so the impact of my uh, work life was higher while I was actually literally hours wise working less and my the experience that I had personally was just peace and connectedness to the work I was making happen. And that was really the genesis of the whole idea of Time Boss. So I've been nodding and smiling a lot. <laughs> I didn't mention to you before that I, I originally was a project manager in pro project and program planning, project management, um, and the concept of being addicted to stress and anxiety. Oh, yeah. D the adrenaline rush just constantly on that edge. Yeah. Ah, just, just keeping above water. But yeah, yeah. I it's like... I talk about it, Hannah, like uh, my son's first birthday was the first time he had sugar. And the first time he had sugar, his eyes literally dilated. And like this whole new experience of food was available to him. And then from that day forward, he would have preferred sugar over anything. Literally to this day, he's 13 now. He would prefer sugar over anything because it's just instant dopamine. And the problem with anxiety is it's the exact same thing for us. It's so easy to go to our inbox when we see that unread count creeping up and just start answering emails because we get this little hit every time we do it. But it is absolutely disconnected from what is the best thing for us to be spending our time doing. Just like sugar is absolutely disconnected from the best thing my son should be eating for his whole person health, you know? So and it's I just a... I yeah, hope that resonates with people who are listening because so many organizations live in a hero culture. Absolutely. And you can see how it's, it, from a personal point of view, it will be self-perpetuating. And yeah, yep. you might know theoretically that a hero culture isn't the best way to deliver quality um, and, you know, to make sure that services are robust and everything. But but there is something about, there's a motivation from the individuals caught up in that. Um, and I think that this is this is part of it, right? This addiction I, to adrenaline. Yeah, I fully yeah. affirm that. Yeah, I, I say that we've just come to a point in society where, stress, fear, and anxiety is the tax on the results we're getting. And I think it's, I think it's terrible. I mean, I just think it's so wrong and it doesn't have to be that way. People just need to be shown there's another way. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. I'm very impressed that you managed to find peace and connectedness while still being a project manager. <laughs> project management is, um, yeah, is hardcore. There are like the nature of the job is incessant deadlines. Um, and, and as you say, I mean, a sign of a great project manager is making sure that you've got that kind of air cover for your team that they're not constantly being derailed and taken off to do other stuff right. um, but yeah the, it, the nature of the the role is always 
one deadline after the next and here's another project and here's another client. So I'm very impressed that you managed to do that while still in your role. So talk to us a bit more about what that looked like, how you managed to yeah. not just compartmentalize and define done, but also find a level, a pace that you found sustainable. And yeah, yeah. How, yeah. how did you do that? <clears throat> That's a great question. So, you know, I think as a fellow project manager, where you know, you had certain members of your team that had high, high capacity. You probably had very high bandwidth conversations with them. They could put out two or three times the work of someone else on the team just by the nature of their talent or who they were. And other people who had different skill sets or maybe they had different areas of focus. And if you're a good project manager, you're really fine tuning the experience for each team member. And then again, I mean, really, you're trying to help them find their high, their high sustainable pace because whatever they can do uh, with the highest output for the longest amount of time, you're going to get the most deliverables back that you can then turn and give to a client, you know, in that particular analogy. And for me, what I realized, as I mentioned, all of my teammates and, and uh, team members and employees were experiencing what I would call peaceful progress. They were crushing work and they felt protected and they felt like they knew the definition of done and it was they could just make it happen day in and day out. And I just came to the point where I'm like, why don't I just manage myself like that? I am a part of the system too. You know, if I had someone looking out for me like this, I would perform so much better. And that's that's the whole idea of time boss. The frame, the phrase comes from um, when we set our future self up to be successful, we are literally the boss of our future self. In the same way I was the boss of my team and I was considering their capacity and I was considering giving them real clarity on the work to be done. And I was prioritizing so they didn't feel like they were constantly having to balance between a bunch of different priorities. They could just do the work in order that I had given it to them. I simply did that for myself. And so Time Boss, that whole model is, is really that. It's very agnostic of whatever goal framework or system that you're in. It's all about how do I crush this next week of work and how do I manage myself on a daily basis to be very present to what's in front of me, where, again, stress, fear, and anxiety don't rule the day, but more peace connectedness to the work to be done that my time boss has set up for me to do. That's really the big idea. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's it's coincidental that we have this conversation because <sighs> as, as an entrepreneur, as, as somebody who's now moved out of corporate and, and doing my own thing, mm -hmm. The, you know, the way that you plan your time and the things, it, it's very different. And I ended up with a negative relationship with planning mm. <laughs> because I had a plan, it didn't go to plan, and then I didn't really know what to do with myself. Right. So for months I didn't have a plan. And then recently I have had a plan, but even just this week, I did what I always used to do, which is try to extend activities mm. to, give, to give, if you were working in a team, to give them the flexibility of, of multiple days to be able to complete something, but then having multiple things on those days, only to realize that actually that was increasing my anxiety because every time right. I looked at my list, I had three things on the list, not one. And in right. fact, it could have been one thing each day for three days, but instead it was three things for three days. And then I felt like I'm supposed to be doing these three things today. Right. And so I've just in the last week, I've kind of revisited how I'm doing that and like, no, I just need to focus on one thing because I am only one person. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's interesting that we're having this conversation when I'm having these realizations this <laughs> week about, about how I'm planning my own time. Well, and the thing I, I think I would encourage you, Hannah, Hannah, Hannah's time, your time is finite. It's very finite. It's there's only so much of it that you have, you know, and, and by definition, it's valuable. You know, it's 
it is this currency that you have to bring to this present moment. And so it's only prudent of you to be reflective and ask, what is the best way for me to invest Hannah time to get the best outcome? And I love what you said. Like, I'm just going to focus on this one thing today. I'm going to be fully present to it. I'm not going to think about all the other things on my list. And that's really with the time boss operating system. It's really a set of habits to run your week. The, the number one principle is just do one thing at a time, because to your point, you mentioned it. If I look at my to-do list and I see I have 10 things, even if I say I, the next one I need to do is on top, you feel the emotional weight of those other nine. They're there. They're literally, they are in your frontal lobe with you as you're trying to do the other work. You can hear them clawing at the door, trying to get your attention and you're not fully present to that single task. And so if you can create emotional space to make that one thing happen, you can crush that work. That's what you and I were doing for our teammates who were on our team. We were we were giving them permission to not think about all of the other things so they could just do that one thing. And the hours multiply when you do that. One hour of fully focused work is totally different than one hour of being pulled at and distracted by the other things on our list constantly. They're to two very different things. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, the thing that yeah. I was working on early today, uh, I managed to complete it in less time than I thought. Awesome. I didn't need to stretch it over three days whilst worrying about other things. Instead, it's like, right, this is going to happen this day. That's going to happen the next day. And yeah. just being able to, like you say, it really cleared my mind. It made me fully present with this task and this task only. Right. And I'm sure the quality is better. I'm sure it took me less time. I wasn't Absolutely. distracted worrying about other things. So, yes, I, I've come to the same realization. <laughs> <laughs> That's I yeah I affirm it. Yeah, it's it's a great innovation for you. You know, and then it's about like how do you lock those in? So week over week, you know, every future Hannah will benefit from this learning from you. How do you ensure that you, you have a habit that you're attaching this learning to to where all future Hannahs, all future versions of you will get the benefit of what you learned this week. That's the key. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know the answer to that for me because I'm, uh, I, will be, <laughs> I will be doing weekly planning. I will be scheduling what I'm doing and I will no longer stretch things across days unless it genuinely is going to take me two days. And so fine, those two days become dedicated to it, but not right. I'll allow myself four days to do these four activities and it's up to me on the day to muddle through the four things. It just, that clearly didn't work for me. It was just distracting. Right. Anyway, so I know that lots of people, when, when I was in corporate, we had um, access to a training platform um, and we had a, a time management training on there. So how does what you do in Time Boss differ from the kind of things that people would have come across in the run of the mill time management kind of programs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think a couple couple key thoughts. One is I think that most time management solutions are half solutions or three quarter solutions that have a very low opinion of the people that are going to be embracing them. And what I mean by that is, you know, a great example. Everyone knows, not everyone. I mean, a, a common knowledge today is have no more than three goals a day. And as you just experienced, that can work maybe, but it doesn't say anything about your actual capacity. It doesn't really even break down what are those actual things. And do I even clearly understand what I'm going to try to do in those times? And so I would say that lots of time management is very um, tactic oriented or like hack oriented, but it doesn't really take in the full picture of what does this look like over the course of a week? What is it that I am tasked to be done over a, or a given season? Um, what are my actual needs? What are my what are the, the best times for my energy levels? Um, how do I 
how do I have a cohesive ecosystem where truly I am very proactively getting everything out of my head so I can just be present to the task in front of me. And so for me with Time Boss, um, I have a, a, a monthly webinar I do where I talk about the Time Boss operating system. I really see it as an operating system. It is as simple as you can possibly imagine. You'll look at it and be like, I can't believe that this actually works. But the but simple systems get used, complicated systems get chucked out. But the key is that it's a full cohesive system. And so it helps you plan out your entire week. It helps you contend with distraction. It helps you plan for reality that it's never going to go exactly to plan the exact way you want. It helps you um, very consistently empty your brain to be fully present to the task at hand without, without dropping um, your responsibilities or hurting your priorities. So it's really a, it's a whole picture of productivity. The other side of it, and this is where I think those, those systems often have low opinions of people is it's just hard to change our relationship with time. You and I both felt it. We burnt out because we had lived into our habits related to time. It was, it would have been reinforced. We had, we had been responding to anxiety and getting the dopamine and we were getting all these strokes from people around us. Oh, you're such a good project manager. You're doing such great work. But the reality was our time habits were not serving us. And so there is so much habit built into the wrong direction that I think it takes focused effort to really get someone over the hump to change. Mm -hmm. um, the primary expression of Time Boss is a six-week cohort with six other leaders, very intentionally because one, it takes daily reps of doing something different to really learn it. And I just think going to something like Udemy and watching a course, you will probably get great information, but it is like watching a video of a CrossFit exercise versus showing up to a gym and doing a CrossFit workout. They are two fundamentally different things. Mm -hmm. I think for you to really change, it, it requires quite a bit of effort in our relationship with time or quite a bit of pain. You know, you must be in tremendous pain to be ready to change. And so that's really where my passion and conviction on Time Boss is I want people to have a cohesive system that deals with reality that once learned, they can consistently apply and fall back to. It's not a, it's not a bar that they're constantly achieving. It's a set of habits they can fall back to. Uh, James Clear in Atomic Habits talks about how we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. I'm trying to create a system around time that people can fall back to where they can instantly get clarity, instantly get focused, know the work to be done, and get back to that sense of peace and connectedness anytime they feel like they're off kilter. And mm -hmm. so that's really where I'm I'm trying. I'm not even I'm not even trying to differentiate, really. I mean, this is just this is what's worked for me that I have passion and conviction around. I, I, I would love for the way that I do time boss just to become common knowledge of this is just the way it works. I'm just, I just think to sell a product often, it must be much more accessible. And for me, I think you have to have a wholehearted commitment to have a different relationship with time or it's just not going to work. And so I have a very high opinion, a very high um, expectation for people to really dig into change if they really want to experience change. Mm -hmm. I also think there's a level of like personal buy-in if you know that this is a program for you and you opt into it and it, it's different to having it on your compulsory learning list that you have to tick off that you've watched Absolutely. the videos. <laughs> Absolutely. The first, the first thing is so many people are like, oh, Time Boss sounds so cool. I'd love to jump in. Jump in. And I was like, well, tell me about your relationship with time. Oh, I think it's going pretty well. You know, don't feel too stressed. I'm like, you're good. Don't even come. <laughs> you know, this is not for you. Yeah, I, I, I want to talk to people that come from where you and I came from, Hannah, that have a spear in their chest related to time. They have some 
contribution they want to make in the world, that thing that they care about, that they're passionate about, that they are precluded from either because they can't get out of their own way to make the work happen, or they are so overrun by stress, fear, and anxiety. That is their fuel. Those are the people who I want to help because there's a path in the middle where you can make such good work happen. You can contribute to the thing you care about where peace and connectedness to the work is the fuel, not stress, fear, and anxiety. Those are the people that I really want to talk to and support. Mm. You must have heard so much different pushback on it's not going to work for me because or etc. So what would you say to somebody who, so I'm, I'm thinking about myself um, in consulting and I had a team to run and um, had multiple clients. And so I often felt like my diary was just filled by the needs of others. So I needed one-to-ones with my team. I needed, um, I needed to attend the sessions that we had with clients. And yeah. there was very little time in my calendar where I was the boss of what I did with that time. <laughs> so to somebody who's in that situation. Yeah, that's a, such a great question, Hannah. And I feel such empathy for those people. Again, I mean, Time Boss was forged in that fire. <laughs> I, I've only worked at early stage companies, which are just high stress, high focus, lots of expectation, not a lot of margin for error. So um, that's where I've tried to make Time Boss incredibly practical. Um, and it's not theoretical. It's very practical in that respect. My... Um, my strongly held belief about time in general, not specifically for Time Boss, but time in general, is our entire world is a series of discrete things. So you could look back at your day-to-day, I could look back at my day-to-day, and I could describe what I did today in a series of discrete steps, meaning I was only doing one thing at a time. Even if I was very rapidly multitasking, at any given time, there was only one thing that held the stage of my brain. And there was only one thing that I was actually focused on, even if I was being pulled in lots of directions. Mm-hmm. And so, if, so I think if that's true in arrears, if I can describe that in arrears, then I think I can plan for it on a go forward basis. And so what I say to people is whatever is going to compete for time needs to be stack ranked and prioritized. So if you're going to give, let's say you're going to give 60 hours your week or 40 hours your week or 20 hours a week, it really doesn't matter. Like you choose the amount of time as your time boss, you're choosing the amount of time you're going to give to your area of focus everything within that time now competes. And so everything you describe, the one-on-ones with your team, the client expectations, the client meetings, the deliverables, whatever it is, all of those things now compete for that, let's say 40 hours of time. That's kind of the common standard um, in the US. Everything competes. And so if that's the case, my strong encouragement to people is get it all out of your head and get it into a list. It can't compete unless you can see it all. But once you see it all, you now have some, some authority over it. So your one-on-one with your team member is going to stack rank against your deliverable to your client. Which of these needs to happen first? And and truly, like one of them has to happen first because on a go-forward basis, you're only going to be able to do one of them at a time. And so being a time boss is not emotionally easy in the same way that, that um, living on a fixed budget is not emotionally easy. It requires trade-offs. It requires you to, to deal with the fact that you are finite but it tries to localize those feelings to a single point in time in your weekly planning meeting where you can very judiciously plan out the next week. You're really just making a seven day bet on the order of your priorities. And then once they're in order, doesn't matter how many there are of them, once they're in order, you're just mapping them to your calendar to whatever that time you've committed to the work. And the, the last step I'd say, and this is where I just think time management doesn't go all the way and solve the problem, 
once you hit your capacity, once you've reached the time that you are willing to commit to that thing, you now have a decision to make. You're either going to increase the amount of time you give to that thing, or you're going to start coming up with solutions to deal with the things that don't fit. And my strong encouragement to people is to come up with a solution to deal with the things that don't fit. And that's where people mostly go sideways is they have a plan, but they have all these things that they're like, well, I got to do those things as well. So they just carry them with them, like emotional anchors that are just hooked into them, you know, dragging them as they go. But if you do the work to come up with a good plan, you do the work to deal with the things that don't fit. You give yourself some realistic margin for whatever's going to come in, you know, last second requests, whatnot. You can make a plan happen. I have seen it happen across entrepreneurs, across founders, executives, stay-at-home moms. It doesn't matter. Time is time is time. It it, it really works in any environment. But but right. the key is if the amount of time you're going to give to an area, everything in that space competes. And you just have to do the work to elucidate what is that actual list? What are their actual priorities? And then map those things to your calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can I I can reflect on the situation that I know I was in a few years ago and I can see how that that could have applied. Um, I don't know quite how I did it, but somehow I managed to squeeze it all in <laughs> and, and still be working a four-day week. I, I'm not sure how it worked, but yeah. Exactly. <laughs> somehow. Um so hmm. what is is the pushback that I just gave you? Is that the is is that what you hear from lots of other people? What's the biggest pushback? What's the number one item that people push back on the most? Oh, they have they all have everybody's got that one stakeholder where this will never work for. My boss, my client, my spouse, my investors, my business partner, it doesn't matter. They all have that person. They're like, they're coming for my time, they're gonna take it. And there's I have no control on that thing. Oh, so kind of ad hoc activities. Ad hoc. The client's yeah. going to phone me during my time that I was trying yeah. to dedicate to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They all. Everybody's got them, and I have them too. I have. I have people that that can uh, come in and take all my time. My wife is a is a great example. I would upend my entire schedule for her if she had an urgent need. And the reality is, if people really look at their week, so we start the time boss cohort, six week coaching court. We start start it with a two week baseline. Most people, it's 5% or less of their time is actually upended or interrupted by last minute client needs that cannot be changed. Meaning like they're coming for your time and it doesn't matter. They they actually have the authority to take it. So people are managing their world based off a 5% risk and, and they're not doing the work to really maximize that other 95% of their time. And so one, I help them realize that, that let's build a structure to really maximize the time you have. And then two, let's figure out how we support those key stakeholders. And I I actually think it's really easy. I think most reasonable people only want two things. They want empathy. They want to know that you think that their priorities matter, right? They don't want you to be stiff arming them. They don't want you to be telling them all about your priorities and how they're more important than their priorities. They want to have empathy to hear like, yeah, I really, I hear you. That just sounds like a really urgent need. I'm with you. I want to make that happen. And then they want confidence that will be done in a reasonable amount of time. So what that means is most reasonable people don't need what you don't need you to drop what you're doing right the second and instantly switch to them. They just need to know in a given time frame the thing is going to get done. And so I'm I'm such a believer in just communicating empathy and confidence. Um, one way that I do this is I have everyone retrain the key stakeholders in their life day one to say, hey, I'm going to be working on a couple other projects over the next couple of weeks. I'll, it'll, I'll probably be a little bit slower on my response time, but if you need me, here's my phone number, please call me. I will answer the phone if you call. 
And to the person, they will tell you in time boss cohorts that they rarely get called. And so they are, they have managed their life mostly for the exceptions. And the reality is they have so much opportunity to focus. They just have to retrain those key relationships with empathy, empathy and confidence that their needs will be, their needs are important and their needs will be met. You just have to do the work to retrain people. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really not as hard as people think it is. They think it's going to be this massive deal. And most people are like, oh yeah, I, you know, I know you got a lot going on. I'm, I'm with you. Let's do it. Yeah, and I can see that actually that would be, it would strengthen many um, relationships. Absolutely. You're one of the few people who I'm talking yes. to one-to-one -one and saying that I've got a lot on, and you're yes. one of the few people whose call I will take. I'm going to exactly. try and shield and protect my time, but yeah. you will have my attention if you need it. That Absolutely. that makes them feel special, surely. It's Absolutely. Hannah, you're so right. Or if, it, if it's your boss, I mean, people are mostly afraid of their bosses, which I think is wild because... The reality is like, so, so I've worked, I work as a fractional CEO in different companies. And in those worlds, Andrew is a currency for the CEO of those companies. And so to me, I'm simply saying like, Hey, I want to maximize the use of your currency. And if I am available to you nonstop all the time, drop anything, I actually think you're not going to get the best use of my time, but here, here's my phone number. If it's truly on fire, call me, we'll solve it. No worries. But otherwise, like, give me a little bit of time on my response time and I will make sure I crush our mutually agreed upon priorities. I will make those things happen. But hey, anytime you need me, you can call me. I'll pick up the phone. I mean, if I'm if I'm if someone on my team came and said that to me, I'd be like, what can I promote you into? Like, you're a leader like you and I care about the same things. You want to see my goals happen. Why would I not support your success in that way? Mm. You just have to frame it the right way. Most people think it's a stiff arm. They see his boundary as like the stiff arm. I'm putting up this hard boundary. You can't cross this line. And that's not it at all. We're, we're trying to mutually align our interests where everybody wins. I'm just asking you to relate to me a little bit differently. So. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think so from, if I'm thinking back to that role that I was talking about, then the priority as an organization would be to service our clients and make sure that they're happy. And right. if I spent my whole time helping my boss with his financial reporting or whatever he had to do, that, that would, that would just be like, the equivalent of navel gazing for for management right. consultancy it's just not yeah. it's not actually what delivers um the value for the organization so yeah that's I, a great way to say it hannah yeah it's a great insight um okay so yeah i wanted to ask you are there things that you feel that you missed out on before you came a time boss and what have you created space for in your life as a consequence of changing your relationship with time Oof. That's such a, that's a heavy question. I mean, I'll probably get, I'll probably get emotional talking about it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I miss connectedness with my wife. I miss weekends with my family. I miss being present to my kids in their youngest ages. You know, I was, I was a ball of stress when, when my kids were little, you know, I would, I'd stand in front of the garage door and like do these, try to do like deep cleansing breaths just to lower my stress and anxiety level as I came in to spend time with my kids. Kelly will tell you, my wife will tell you, it's just a totally different experience of having a present husband and dad than having someone who's just in a whole nother world in their head, but they are physically in the room with you. Mm. So I just, you know, I, I have grace for that, Andrew. He was doing the best he could with what, what was in his hand. And he was obviously trying to improve and, and he broke through. He did the work. And and me now sitting here, I am so grateful for that Andrew putting in the work, but I'm so sad that he missed out on key areas of his kid's life, um, being emotionally present 
in younger years of my marriage. I mean, gratefully, I have a wonderful marriage now, but like we were stressed by me feeling the need to constantly go in on a Saturday and, and put more work in or working late into the night or, and not working out my physical, my physical well-being going sideways. I mean, there just were so many costs from me not having a hold of my time where I could actually describe the life I think that I should live and then actually make it happen over the course of the next seven days. I mean, it's just such a different, it's such a different experience of life now. I can't even describe it. And so the upside, what, yeah. things, what things have you been present for? What things have yeah. you participated in and enjoy that wouldn't have uh, been there if, if you were still the old Andrew? Yeah, that's such a, thank you, Hannah. I, I so appreciate that question. I mean, this last year I, I wrote a science fiction book with my daughter and it was evenings and Sundays at Starbucks, writing this book and laughing and being so silly. Um, my son and I created a, a really funny board game called Troll together. That's this, this little game that we play together, but we love it. Um, I'm learning to surf with my daughter. We've been on great family vacations where I was actually present. I, I actually could manage my life in a way where I could set it down and be gone for seven days and come back to it. Um, we're able to lead a ministry at our church that supports at-risk kids and families to help them have a bridge back to uh, getting back up on their feet when they need to. I'm able to be at my kids' sporting events and be present. I can be in my neighborhood and just have a hour-long conversation with a neighbor and not in the back of my head thinking like, oh gosh, there's probably email piling up right now that I need to go handle. Or what about that client call? Or what about that one-on-one -on -one? or whatever? I'm just present. Like it's just, it's the life that I want to live. Mm. And I'm, and I am having more leveraged impact in the places that I work than I've ever had. So I think that's the key. It's time boss is about peace and progress. It's about, it's about holding your impact steady or even increasing it. So we've done time boss cohorts over the last year and 86% of people that have done time boss cohorts have actually increased the impact that they have at work, meaning they're getting more leverage work done. They're actually they're actually a more impactful team member or leader or founder or whatever. And 95% of them said that they experienced more peace, which means that they actually have a better experience of life and they're making greater impact, but they're all of them to the person are working less. And so- I, yeah, Sorry, sorry, sorry I, was, I, was, I think I was interrupting you. You, ca you carry on. Oh, no, I just- I just want to emphasize that a, a different world exists where stress, fear, and anxiety isn't required. And, yeah, and, it's, I, and the, the results don't go away. It doesn't mean that we're over-embracing um, uh, self-care or personal development. We are embracing self-care and personal development, but we're changing the way that we think about work and what actually gets to our calendar to actually increase the impact of the things that we're focused on. I kind of had this realization that if we change how we treat our time so if we are more respectful of our time if we are protecting our time and we're having conversations like the one you were describing with your boss or with your client other people are going to respect your time they're going to value your time right. they're going to notice your input and right. so I can really see how ha setting those boundaries around how you manage time is going to have people kind of sit up and listen and notice your contributions and, yeah, and therefore yeah you're having a bit greater impact. You're, you're more visible. You're, and, and like we said earlier, you know, I, I was able to crack through, it was a, a, a course page. I was able to crack through that and it was of a quality and I was able to focus on it. And so I can really see yeah. how, how this all comes together and that it is possible to, um, to, to achieve the results you're describing, to be more present, to be more impactful, even though you feel like you might not be putting in the same hours or right. yeah.
Yeah. The, so, oh, sorry. Can I add one more thing on that hand? I, yeah, I just, yeah. I love your insight. Um, the primary experience of time boss is someone comes through and goes through a cohort and they go back to their team and they change their team. And then other members of their team come because it, it, when you are an advocate that way, and you start having an impact on that way, people start paying attention. Mm. And it's almost like, it's almost like living with a bunch of roommates and one of them starts working out and eating right. There's kind of this standard that gets raised of, oh, there's a different way of living that I could check into. And I actually think it's going to be a better experience of life. It almost necessarily happens with time boss because people that, that are looking at their time, like a currency to be, be really thoughtfully invested. It, everyone around them starts to align behind that because they realize, oh gosh, if I need some of Andrew's time, I need to be ahead of my planning. I need to make sure I ask Andrew ahead of time or it's going to be harder for me to get that thing done. I, or I want to be really respectful. I know he's got a lot going on. I'm going to be really respectful of him. I'm going to tell him a week ahead of time when I need something. It almost necessarily uh, increases the health of a culture just by having one person that sees themselves as a time boss. Mm. Amazing. Yeah. So if people want to know more about Time Boss and how they could get involved or learn yeah. a bit more about you, where should we point them? Yeah. So uh, best place, uh, easiest way to get connected is always on LinkedIn. Just you can find me, Andrew Hartman or Time Boss. Uh, if you head to timeboss.us, timeboss.us, uh, we do run monthly webinars where we go over the Time Boss weekly operating system. It's just a great way to get connected. Um, they're free. I'm a firm believer that uh, the information is easy. It's the execution. It's the implementation of it that's really hard. And so if you're curious, everything's out there and available. would love to share with people. And then if someone is at the point where they've got a spear in their chest and they need to, to make a change related to the relationship with time, my strong suggestion would be take a look at a, a Time Boss six-week coaching cohort. It's mm -hmm. really where people are experiencing life change. So yeah, I would love to, would love to support people in whatever way makes sense. That's amazing. So um, the information is free and available, but if people need a helping hand along the journey, then that's why they should be signing up for Time Boss. That sounds very generous. Well, I just, I'm just such a believer in, it's like, it's the CrossFit analogy. Watching a video of CrossFit versus going to a CrossFit gym are to two totally different things. CrossFit should give away their exercises all day long, but if people actually need facilitated help, that's, the, that's when they should engage. So mm -hmm. strong okay. belief. So before we wrap up this conversation, was there anything else that you wanted to add? Uh, no, I just, I'm so grateful, Hannah. Thank you so much for having me. I would encourage people. I do think the resource you have related to the symptoms of stress, I think is really important. I think people need to pay close attention. I was not paying close attention and it got really bad before I woke up. And so I think your resource is brilliant for people to, to get a look ahead of time of, Hey, are there things going on in me that are indicators that that are warning lights on the dashboard that something needs to change. And I think your resource would be a great way for people to get started. Yeah. Like I said earlier, for me, I had, I just had these symptoms that I just didn't connect to stress, like yeah. recurrent infections, slow to recover from injury. I had no idea that that was to do with stress. I, like how could a sprained ankle have anything to do with my project delivery and the fact that I hobble around all day <laughs> as a project manager being so addicted to adrenaline as I was but mm. yes yeah, so I'll include a link to the resource that we're talking about the um, checklist of stress symptoms and I'll also include um, the links uh, to find more information about Andrew including LinkedIn and the website so thank you so much for coming and having this conversation I found it really insightful awesome thank you so much Anna really appreciate being here thank you for being part of burnout isn't necessary 
Our aim is to assist you in navigating stress and preventing burnout. If you found our conversations valuable, please consider subscribing and taking a moment to rate the podcast. Your feedback is essential. I want to hear from you. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, share them with me. Your input can shape the content that we create. A common question I receive is where to start in managing stress, and everything starts with awareness. Stress impacts each of us in a unique way, and some stress symptoms can seem a little random, so I've created a checklist of symptoms to help you better understand how stress shows up for you. There's a link in the show notes. And a quick reminder, this podcast is presented for educational and entertainment purposes only. It's not a substitute for professional advice. Stay tuned for more episodes, and until next time, take care of yourself.